You're listening to Shalise's Podcast. Okay, let's pray. Let's get this party started. Well, Father, I thank you for this series. And I thank you that it was your idea. I thank you that because of Jesus, we can drop the charges. Thank you that because of Jesus, we are innocent. Thank you that we are new creations. Thank you that we have been recreated in Christ and that we look exactly like Jesus does from your perspective. Thank you that as Jesus is, so are we in this world. And so, Father, as we jump into today's broadcast, I pray that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened, that we would know the hope of our calling. I pray that you would unpack truth in a revelatory way that sets us free, free to live in union with you in a greater degree, uh, free to have an awareness of our oneness with you 24-7 so that we can be led by the Spirit, so that we can follow you into the fulfillment of everything that you have designed us in Christ to fulfill. And we just give you the reins. Holy Spirit, think through my mind, speak through my mouth, and release what you want to release to everyone who's listening today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Well, awesome. I just saw the lawn people pull up, so hopefully it's not going to be loud and like noisy as I'm trying to teach today. Thank you, Jesus, that it's going to be fine. But anyway, you guys, let's get going. If you have been tuning into this series, you know that we have been talking about this concept of dropping the charges. And in the first episode, we talked about just the declaration that the cross proclaims about us that we are innocent. And Romans 12, um, I'm sorry, Romans 8, chapter 1, right? That there is no guilty verdict for them that are in Christ, that we are innocent, that we have been acquitted, that we are blameless and holy from God's perspective. And then last week, I actually shared my testimony with you guys um, and really talked about being open-minded and giving yourself permission to do your own research and to really know why we believe what we believe and not just passively hear something preached from a pulpit or something that maybe you grew up with, a doctrine that you grew up with, and not just passively accept that as the gospel truth, like it is the gospel truth, when in fact, many of these doctrines and things that we've been taught um, were not even believed by the early church. They weren't, they aren't explicitly laid out in scripture, and that we are free to question <clears throat> the things that we've been taught. And so today, I want to dive in more into this concept of dropping the charges. I want to talk a little bit more about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I want to talk about what actually happened at the fall. And I want to continue to question this idea that uh, is the doctrine of original sin and this idea that human beings are inherently evil from the moment that they are born. So to do that, you guys, I want to kind of take us back to the beginning and take us back to the garden and take us back to that place where Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed prior to them partaking in the tree of the knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. Now, if you have read that story or you've done much study about that story, that story has 
a lot of ramifications for us as believers. In fact, if you have grown up in Western evangelical Christianity, which is how I grew up, it's also the way that a lot of our churches um, find themselves today. If you are from a Protestant uh, bent in your, you know, your worship and in your church attendance, then you also have been inundated with, frankly, a lot of doctrine that is steeped in the lie of separation from God. Now, when I say the lie of separation from God, that is what I call the big fat lie. That's what I call the master lie, if you will, that entered the earth as a result of the fall. And if you really unpack what the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is, and the idea that that tree and the knowledge of good and evil is actually where the root of sin entered the earth, then it's really important for us to kind of unpack it, right? And understand like what actually happened at the fall? What actually happened when Adam and Eve partook of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And what I want to tell you happened and what we really want to unpack today is this idea that human beings became their own judge. And when you look at that story, right, it says that when Adam ate of the tree, that their eyes were opened. Okay. But I want to propose to you today that their eyes weren't opened in a sense that they couldn't see before the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that actually they could see fine before the, the, they ate of that tree. But what actually happened is that their eyes were closed. And what I mean by that is their, their eyes were closed to their perfection and their union with God, and they became self-conscious. And in order to do this, you guys, justice, I want to go ahead and read uh, out of Genesis this morning. So let me pull up uh, Genesis uh, chapter two, and let's just read a little bit of the story. Uh, let's go to Genesis chapter two and let's read it. I have the message up right now, but let's read it out of the NIV. I think that's, I just want to do something really simple this morning. Okay. So I'm going to go to Genesis chapter two in the NIV. All righty, here we go. Okay. It says this in chapter two. All right. I want to read starting in chapter two, and I want to read starting in verse 16. Okay, it says this, and the Lord God took man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And verse 16, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay. Now, if you go up a little bit above that in Genesis chapter two, uh, verse eight and nine, let me read this. It says, now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. In verse nine, it says, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there were two trees, right? There was the tree of life and there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
Now, I'm going to go back and read what God said. He said, you are free, verse 16, to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay, now I want to skip down and I want to go to Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. Now, right here we already see that something is amiss because God didn't ever mention that if they touch it, they would die. Okay, God said, if you eat of it, you will die. So already we see human reasoning or an idea being added to what God said. And I want to tell you that adding to what God said has been a part of the human condition (laughs) since the garden. Okay, in fact, that's how we get a lot of the doctrines and a lot of the things that we believe today is because people have interpreted things. They have misinterpreted things that God never actually meant and God never actually said. And so this idea that we have added to what God has said is something that is is age old as man himself. Okay, now in verse four, the serpent comes in and basically calls God a liar. This is what he says. He says, you will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay, now I want to stop here for a moment because if we're going to talk about the nature of evil and we're going to talk about the nature of the serpent, or we're going to talk about the nature of the Antichrist, or we're going to talk about the nature of the accuser, okay? We're going to, first of all, know here that the nature of the enemy is accuser, okay? And in this statement here, he's actually accusing God of being a liar, okay? He's actually telling Eve in this moment that what God said isn't true. All right. Now, when you think about that and you think about how the voice of doubt operates in our lives and how the voice of accusation operates in our lives, that it is always a question. It is always a doubt about what is true. It is always a doubt about the character of God. It is always an accusation that we lack something that God is withholding something from us, that is an accusation that we are missing something that that God is withholding from us. And this is true, you know, you guys, when you're thinking about believing what is true in any area of our lives, right? Uh, you could take any scripture, like by his stripes I'm healed, right? And there can be a voice of doubt that comes in or an accusation that says, well, if that was true, then then I wouldn't experience sickness, right? So the point is, is that the the accuser is always after questioning who you are and who God is. And so in this example here, that's exactly what the serpent was doing. It was basically saying God is a liar. And what God said is that he's actually withholding something from him, from you. 
Okay, because here's the truth. Okay, Adam and Eve were already like God. They had already been created in God's image. So they didn't have to eat the tree of the knowledge of good and evil to be like God because they were already like God. And so just just in general, let me just break this concept out for you, that an accusation against the enemy is always about what you're not, okay? I've even heard uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil referred to by some teachers and some scholars as the I am not tree, okay? Meaning that you are not already perfect. You are not actually innocent. You are not like God. Okay, now the gospel proclaims that you are innocent. The gospel proclaims that you are one with Jesus. The gospel proclaims that Christ in you is the hope of glory, that you're a new creation. But the accuser is the one that comes to tell you, no, you're not holy. No, you're not blameless. No, you're not innocent. No, you're not like Jesus, right? It's an accusation that says who you aren't, okay? And I want to say this, that since the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was introduced to Adam and Eve, and in, and they actually partook of it, that we have been not born into sin, like the doctrine of an original sin talks about, but we have been born into a system that is steeped in accusations of what you're not. We have been born into a world system that has a fallen mindset. Okay, Uh, the Apostle Paul said this, that we are alienated from God in our minds. Okay, separation from God is the actual issue here. So let me keep reading here. It says, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. It says, verse six, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. In verse 7, it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Okay? In verse 8, it says, Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. In verse 9, it says, But the Lord God called to the man and said, Where are you? In verse 10, he answered, he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And so I hid. In verse 11, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? In verse 12, the man said, The woman that you put here with me, she gave me some of the fruit from the tree, and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what have you done? And the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Okay. And verse 14, it says, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat the dust in all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. And the woman, and he said to the woman, I will make pains and childbearing very severe. With painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, but he will rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate from the fruit of the tree, which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. 
Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. But by the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and dust you will return. And then in verse 20, he says, And Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. Okay, now, there is nowhere in here that even the word sin is even introduced, okay? What is introduced here is an awakening of a consciousness of separation from God. And it is awakening of a consciousness that believes there is something wrong with me. So what happened is when Adam and Eve's eyes were opened, all of a sudden they developed a separated consciousness from God. All of a sudden, the way that they perceived themselves shifted. So this knowledge of good and evil entered into their consciousness. And you know what happened? Shame entered, fear entered, and they hid from the presence of God. They changed. They changed in that moment to operate when, you know, the serpent says it's like God, meaning they had a self-existence that they did not have before they ate. And you guys, God is the only self-existent one, okay? Adam and Eve did not exist in and of themselves apart from God. When he breathed the breath of life into them, they became a living soul and they became a container for God. They became a vessel for God at the place where God's presence dwelled. And when they ate the tree, what happened is their perception of that oneness, their perception of that union was actually lost. Okay. Now I want to go over to the mirror translation here. Because I really love the way Francois describes the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And I want to go up here and I'm just going to read a few of his notes here. Okay. Um, and this is the notes from Francois Dutrois in 1 John 3, 12. Okay. Now this is not talking specifically in this verse about Adam and Eve. It's actually talking about the first murder. You know the story about Cain and Abel, right? And so it's referring now to this concept of Cain and Abel and this murder uh, that Cain committed. It says, verse 12, it says, Cain's killing his brother Abel. Well, I would really like to read this in uh, context. So let me go here. Let me start is, um, let me just start here for a moment a little bit. Let me start in verse 10. It says, there is a very visible and vast difference between living one's live from your God identity or from a fallen mindset. The diab he calls it the diablos fruit, diablos, diabolos fruit, I think is how you say that, has nothing in common with righteousness. Neither does it know anything about brotherly, brotherly love. It says, verse 11, our love for one another was the topic of conversation from the start. God had nothing less in mind than a loving family. In verse 12, it says, Cain's killing of his brother Abel is in such contrast to this. 
his motivation was clearly sourced in the Panoros tree system. Okay, we'll talk about that word in a moment in the Greek. But he says his idea of divine favor was to count on his own works as being superior to his brother's faith righteousness. Okay, now I want to come down here and I want to talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, Paneros is Panaros, or however you say this word, is the, the Greek word that the uh, that Francois Dutrois is, is referring to here. It says this, it says the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents mankind's lost sense of identity and righteousness, where the global pursuit of mankind would now be in their constant effort to receive and achieve righteousness by means of their own works. Okay. In other words, they were now going to have a self-existence part from God, and they were now going to have a relationship with good and evil and a relationship with righteousness or being right that was no longer based in their identity in God, but was now going to be based in their own works or their own achievements. And so what entered into the world at the fall was a completely different system of righteousness. Okay. Prior to the fall, there was no concept of righteousness apart from God because there was no concept of being apart from God. There was no concept of self-righteousness and no concept of really righteousness at all because Adam and Eve had their identity sourced in God himself. And so there was this new identity that was birthed at the fall. And this identity was seeped in the illusion of separation from God. It is the illusion, you guys, of being godlike in that we can be right, we can be good apart from God. And it set us up as judge. It set us up, frankly, to live in the place of accusation. It made us to be a God in and of ourselves, to be self-existent, to be independent from God, which is the nature of the accuser, which is the nature of the enemy. The nature of the enemy is independence. It's having an existence apart from God. But in God, we live and move and have our being. The, I mean, what has ever been separated from God? I mean, when God said, let there be light, God is the sustainer of all things. The idea of separation is the mass accusation. It is the master accusation. It is the big lie that entered the earth as a result of the fall. It is a mindset that is steeped in separation from God. Okay. Are you guys following me? Now I want to keep reading because it says here that it, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents uh, mankind's lost sense of identity and righteousness. Okay. It says this inevitably leads to disappointment where shame replaces innocence and union and fellowship are lost. Okay. Now I want to keep reading just a couple of other things here about this. Okay. It says the clothing that Adam, that, that God made for Adam and Eve. Now remember they first were their own provider. They sewed themselves, you know, garments out of leaves. 
But then we know the story that God, the first animals were sacrificed and God, you know, gave them animal skins for clothing. But here's what it says. The clothing was not to make Elohim look at Adam differently, but to make Adam feel better about himself. Okay. It says this. And ultimately, it was prepared to prepare Adam for the unveiling of the mystery of mankind's redemption in the carnation. Here, deity would clothe themselves in human skin and in the sun. Okay. Now, there's one other piece I want to read in this because I was reading it and I wanted to share it with you. It says, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil represents a fallen identity. The thought that likeness with God could be earned through good intentions, or I would say good works, rather than realizing the gift of life that already defines his image and likeness in us. Okay. Now, what I want to say about this is that this idea of a fallen mindset, I've I've actually thrown out this concept before you guys, but you know, original sin basically says that we are born. Okay. Inherently evil. Meaning that we are born with this nature that is evil. And what has arisen as a result of that belief is a whole big religious system that tries to get us right with God in and of ourselves. Okay. It's where doctrines like infant baptism came from. It's the, it's the, the idea that there's like an age of accountability, right? Because it's like at what age are people now responsible for their actions? And it's this idea of self-righteousness, right? That now we have to be righteous in and of ourselves if we are going to be acceptable to God. And what I want to share with this, you guys, is that what if, what if it isn't about being inherently evil? What if it's about a perception and a system that was actually put into the world as a result of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, where now we have set ourselves up to be judge. We are actually born into a system that teaches us to judge. And we are inherently taught that we are bad or we are evil because of the system and our inability to be good apart from God. Because the truth is the only place that goodness exists is in God. And so being one with God is how we are good. And so when when Jesus came, it wasn't about appeasing an angry father. It was about appeasing an angry human race. It was about appeasing a the human race that was now judging everything and everyone through the lens of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. Okay, so follow me for this for a moment. You know, I talk a lot about it. I even mentioned this podcast in a previous uh, a previous episode in last uh, last week's uh, broadcast when I talked about um, the podcast the podcast that I did called Original Glory. It's this idea that before the fall we were in Christ. Like there is a fact about us that predates Adam and Eve, and if you don't know the truth about the gospel and the proclamation that you are innocent and you were innocent before the foundation of the world. You were innocent and from God's eyes, always seen as innocent, even though we didn't see ourselves as innocent, then you will have 
a very distorted view of the gospel and you will have a very distorted view of yourself. Okay, let's go where I went last week. Let's go there again. And now let's go into Ephesians chapter one. And I'm going to read Ephesians chapter one in the Passion Translation. And so let me pull this up. Okay. And I'm going to read this. I'm going to start reading in verse three. It says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. Okay, so let's just stop there for a moment because we need to agree with how God sees us. Okay, because let's be clear, what happened at the fall was a shift in how we saw ourselves. It is a shift in how we approached life. It is a shift into a fallen identity. It's a shift into a fallen mindset. And so the way we saw ourselves is what changed. But here it tells us in Ephesians chapter one that the father sees us wrapped in Christ. So we want to get into agreement with what is true about us. And we want to get into agreement with the father's perception of us. We want to have a, our perception healed. And that is what Jesus accomplished on the cross. That's why in Romans chapter eight, the very last, um, not Romans chapter eight, it is first Corinthians chapter two. The very last verse in First uh, Corinthians chapter two, it says that we now have been given the mind of Christ. That we, and in, in one translation, it says we now have the perceptions of Christ. That says that in the in the Passion translation. This is about a healing of our perception. It's about a healing of our image of God. It's about a healing of our image of ourselves. It's about a healing of of our image of all of creation. Because what changed at the fall was our perception. And so let's keep reading. It says, this is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. In verse four, it says, and in love, he chose us before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of his great love, he ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with unstained innocence. For it was always in his perfect plan to adopt us as his delightful children through our union with Jesus, the anointed one. So that as his tremendous love that cascades over us, so that his tremendous love that cascades over us would glorify his grace. For the same love he has for the beloved, he has for us. And this unfolding plan gives him great pleasure. Okay. And so here's the idea. The God, the idea is, is that God never changed his perception of us. We changed our perception of us. And when God was just saying, this is what's now going to happen. You're going to, you're going to now bear children in pain. You are now going to toil for your food. Like there is now you are, you are now going to operate out of the illusion of separation from me. And it is painful. It is filled with toil. It is impossible, honestly, because you can't be right or you can't be righteous when you have a relationship with the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And so you guys, when I talk about dropping the, dropping the charges, right? It's about dropping the fruit. 
It's about dropping the, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and taking ourselves out of the position of playing judge, of the position of playing God. It's about us taking ourselves off the throne. It's about losing control and allowing God to be God and allowing Jesus to be Lord and allowing a new master to now take residence in our hearts and in our minds so that we are no longer just a mere human being. But we now start to recognize that Jesus is our now is our mirror. And Jesus and, and Jesus's ministry and Jesus's life and his death and his burial and his resurrection and his ascension are what define us. Jesus was a picture of what union with the Father is. Jesus is a picture of how people who live in union with the Father, how they operate in the realm of the universe, meaning they aren't subject to the curse. They're not subject to the fall. They walk on water. They speak to storms. They they live or annihilate the any any place where poverty is found. They live in abundance. Poverty is an illusion. Sickness, right? Healing of sickness, right? Why poverty, sickness, all of these things, those are results of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, it takes a minute, you guys, to kind of sit with this and really start to unpack how human judgment is actually the root of sin. Like sin is not just the behaviors that we do. Because honestly, the behaviors that we do all flow out of a wrong identity. If our identity is wrong, our behavior is going to be wrong. If our identity is wrong, our perception is going to be wrong. So what Jesus did is he restored our perception of ourselves. That's why he says that he heals the blind. He he was the undoing of Adam so that we could now recognize that we live in union with God. And here's the reality, guys. We have, from God's perspective, always been in Christ. He has always seen us holy and without spot, without blemish, without sin. You know, in Revelation chapter 13, it says the lamb was slain before the foundation of the world. And I get that we live inside of time, but eternity is what is true, right? And God's eternal perspective of us is that we have always been perfect. We have always been not guilty. It is human beings that have taken on the role of judge. It is human beings that have been playing and eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it has caused a fallen mindset. So from as, as, you know, you're not born thinking there's something wrong with you. That is taught. We are taught that something is wrong with us. We are taught shame. We are taught that nakedness is, is sinful. We are taught that, 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 that we, at the core of our being, there is something wrong with us. And that if we act good, we get rewarded. And if we act bad, we get punished. Like this system, it does not exist in heaven. Okay. This system of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil does not exist in the realm of the kingdom. Okay, what exists in the realm of kingdom is joint heirs with Jesus. What exists in the realm of the kingdom are perfect heirs, perfect sons, perfect children. And you guys, we judge no man after the flesh anymore. You know, in Acts, when Peter, 
went up on the rooftop, right? They didn't understand who was in and who was out, right? Jesus was the proclamation that everybody's in. And so, you know, that God was giving Peter this vision of, you know what? Rise up and eat these unclean animals, right? Eat this, eat this, eat this, eat this. And, you know, Peter was like, God forbid, I have never touched anything unclean. And God said to Peter something very powerful, you guys. He says, do not call unclean what has been cleansed. You know, in Hebrews, it talks about the sacrificial system. And it says, you know, that with the sacrificial system, you know, you had to continually offer sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. Why? Because the blood of animals could not cleanse our guilty conscience. The only thing that could cleanse that and undo that perception and that that perception of being alienated from God in our own minds was the blood of Jesus. And it says that the blood of Jesus purges our conscience, purges our conscience. So there is a new consciousness that is available to us now. And it's union consciousness, right? It's Christ consciousness. And it's the awareness that we are now one with God. What what Jesus really crucified on the cross is the lie of separation from God and every accusation that arises because of the lie of separation from God. And so when I'm talking about dropping the charges, I'm talking about dropping the accusations. I'm talking about coming out of agreement with the accusation that there is something wrong with us. I'm coming out of agreement, right? I'm talking about coming out of agreement that our righteousness is based on our actions or our own self-effort. I'm talking about a righteousness that is steeped in the righteousness of God that is an inheritance. It's not something that we own. It's something that happened to us. It's something that God did to us. It's an inheritance. We don't earn it. We simply believe it. We simply wake up. We wake up. We get a new revelation. We get our eyesight back. Okay. And and what I would like to say is that our, the eyes that were opened as a result of the fall, those natural eyes, those sense governed eyes, those eyes that see out of the lens of the, of the, the I am not tree, right? Those eyes get closed, right? That's why the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, to me, that's why that light shines so brightly is because, and he went blind, right? Why? Because he was being blinded. It was the undoing of Adam. The gospel blinds us to our guilt. (laughs) The, The gospel blinds us to our identification with sin. It blinds us to our perception of of independence from God. It blinds us to the illusion of separation. And now we awaken to the truth of our union and our oneness with God. Not because we earned it, not because we deserved it, not because we were so good, but because God is good and that's the way he designed it from the beginning. So people ask, okay, so why do we even need the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? And why was it even put in the garden? You guys, because love cannot exist in the absence of free will, right? God has to give us the choice. In other words, he can't force us to love. He can't force us to agree. He can't force us to surrender. 
He can't force us to be in fellowship with him or commune with him. Now, the truth is that what he accomplished in Christ, he didn't ask anybody's permission for that. Guess what? He didn't come and ask us, hey, can, is it okay if I come and uh, assume you and become you on the tree? Is it okay that I undo what Adam did? Which, by the way, you didn't pick, you didn't choose, you weren't there, okay? But, is, you know, he didn't ask for our permission about that, right? But the point is, is that freedom is a core value of the kingdom. And love does not control. There is no control in love. There is only surrender and mutual submission and honor. And so God, if Adam was truly going to be made in his image, if Eve was truly going to be like God, which they were, okay, then they had to have the ability to choose. And the ability to choose is what made them like God, not the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay. The ability to have choice is what makes us God-like. Okay. Our ability to choose, our ability to say yes and no, that is what makes us God-like. Okay. And in our freedom, in our union with God, Our yes is God's yes, and our no is God's no, meaning that we are one heart and we are one mind. And God is really unable to choose evil. He's unable to choose evil, meaning that he only has good. He only has good. But here's the thing that's beautiful about this, that the goodness of God is actually revealed through the contrast of of now us seeing what isn't good. <laughs> so there's this beautiful revelation that happens even in the midst of all of the mess. And so dropping the charges, you guys, is giving up the right to judge. And that right is what makes God the only one qualified to be the judge. Because God is the only one who knows it all. God is the only one who sees it all. And God is the only one that can understand it all. It is us recognizing that we are not our own source, that we are not our own God. And that by saying we're not our own source, that we, there's a reason why God, you know, Jesus used the, the example of being a, a branch on the vine, meaning We were never designed to be self-existent. We were designed for communion. We were designed for union. We were designed to be God's dwelling place. We were designed to be an expression of God that, that a unique expression of God, a masterpiece of God that through our surrender and our availability to God, God expressed his goodness through. So this concept of original sin versus you know, a fallen identity or a fallen mindset is just something to ponder. It's something to think about and dive deeper into a revelation of judgment and a revelation of innocence and a revelation of what Jesus accomplished in the undoing of Adam. So beloved, we're out of time for today. I covered a lot of ground and my, you know, for those of you that have never heard anything like this before, it's going to take a minute. It's going to take a minute for this to absorb and for this to, for this to really sink in. 
But here's what I know. The Holy Spirit has been teaching me about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for a very, very long time and has been teaching me the powerful truth of how to drop the judgment. You know, guys, if we can just recognize when we're judging and just drop it like a hot potato and just drop the charges, do you know that we won't even have to actually go through the process of forgiveness anymore? We can actually come to a higher level of unconditional love. We can come to a higher level that recognizes that every human being is in the same boat and that we are in no position to judge anyone. So the fruit of this is freedom. The fruit of this is peace. The fruit of this is righteousness, not of our own self, not of our own works, but righteousness through our identification with Christ and stepping out of the I am not tree and stepping into the I am tree. Because guess what? You're already a branch in that tree. In Jesus' name, I just bless you with this message today. And I just thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are going to just continue to unpack this and give them more and more revelation about their innocence, about who they are in you, and that they are lacking nothing. And that the accuser of the brethren is just that, an accuser. It's not true. They can rest and they can come into a place of complete and utter joy and fulfillment because in Christ, they are innocent, perfect, blameless, and holy. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, you guys, God bless you. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Shalise's podcast. This recording is, in part, made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, visit Shalise.com, where you can donate and help us spread the good news of our unshakable union with Christ around the globe. You can also find a link there to download Shalise's book, The Path, for free. And if you're ready to discover the call of God on your life and the purpose He created you for, then visit us at Shalise.com and watch Shalise's free training where you'll hear five keys to hearing God about your life purpose and transitioning into it. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, don't forget, the world needs the Christ in you.